0: Welcome back to the Employee of the Month show. I'm your host, Katie Lazarus, and in this episode, I sat down with Margot Lightman, who is an actress, comedian, storyteller, author, and game show host winner. I'm going to let you listen to our interview, but I wanted to do a special um, shout-out to Six Point Harness, which is where we taped the interview in Los Angeles. Here's my interview with the utterly delightful Margot Lightman. I'm so excited to have on the show someone who's a friend, also someone who I admired when I started In stand-up comedy, she had already been performing and acting and then transitioned into adding to that repertoire, writing films, writing books. Um, Her latest book happens to be her first book, (laughs) (laughs) This is called Gawky, Tales of an Extra Long Awkward Phrase. It's from Seal Press. I strongly recommend you go out and purchase it. You can buy it in a bookstore. You can get it on Amazon. And um, much more importantly, I'm just thrilled to have Margot Lightman here to tell us about it. That was an intro and a half. It's good, right? Yeah. Well, you remember, you say you admired.
1: do you remember our first major encounter? We should tell the story of it. No, tell me, tell me, tell okay, me. Okay. So Katie and I bonded over getting hired at this horrible temp job. Oh my
0: God. That was so funny.
1: And <laughs> I was making, they're paying me $8 an hour. I don't know if you were getting a higher rate because you no. probably know how to type, but I, um... And we were basically abused um, on the first day where the woman who, who ran this PR firm attacked, like stood up in the middle of it because we were doing um, a mailing for like uh, some celebrity.
0: Uh, I want to give some preface to you. This is a very, very famous publicist. Oh, can we would... say that?
1: I won't say where, where. I'm just saying it was a publicist. Her lady.
0: last name rhymes with Meagle. And-, <laughs> and Yeah. And so we were doing like a mailing for some celebrity event. And she used a horrible Yiddish word to describe black people. That was also one of my favorite. Really? Yes. Well, she stood, and I guess that I only had an a,
1: a email address for, oh, I think it was Dennis Leary's wife and not Dennis Leary. So I sent the invite to the celebrity <laughs> poker thing to Dennis Leary's wife, because that was the only contact I had. And I just went on with my day. So midway, midway through the day, she stands up in the office and she goes, excuse me, who sent this email to Dennis Leary's wife? <laughs> and I was like, the temp, I'm like, oh, I did. It's the only email address I had. And she goes... It's a poker party, not a tea party. (laughs) she goes, it's supposed to be for the men only, not the women. It's a poker. And then she was like, do it again. And then something happened where Katie and I ended up in the back room unsealing all of the envelopes that we had sealed and unstamping them all. And this wasn't even noon yet. And I just walked in to her office and i had her sign my timesheet. and i go all right i'm just gonna go and she's like what do you mean i was like (laughs) i'm just
0: gonna leave i don't really want to do this what did you say you stayed for four more days first of all i couldn't i couldn't get over it okay so i'm like freaked out out of my mind by this woman who's uh this publicist whose name rhymes with meagle very (laughs) famous publicist this is right after lizzie grubman also who backed into to um she backed over a, a a human a human yeah that's what they're called <laughs> and um so this publicist was just terrifying she was and- absolutely terrifying. And Margo, this is the first time I've ever witnessed this. I was a liaison to the mayor's office. I've never witnessed this before. Margo goes, I have to be somewhere. (laughs) That was why I said and I just left. In the middle of the day. I thought, huh, where does she have to go? And I didn't realize that, oh, she has dignity. That's why Margo's leaving. Margo has dignity. That was my excuse. I have
1: to be somewhere. Yeah, I left and I never went back. And then I think you stayed a few more days and then you eventually left too.
0: I did leave because she threw, um, Yes she threw something at you. Yes, she threw a magazine at me <laughs> and I told the main assistant this guy and he goes, "Well, at least it wasn't a stapler."
1: <laughs> yeah, they were so abused. Everybody was, like, shaking in their boots. Everyone was ho- horribly miserable in their lives. I was there like, for three hours. I was like, I
0: can't do this. I can't. do Whiteman goes, I have to be somewhere. And I was like, but we're in the middle of the world. I mean, did you schedule that you'd have this temp job from 9 to 6? I
1: was out of there. I took my 24 bucks. Minus taxes and I left. Oh god, it was horrible. It was a horrible job. That agency never used that temp agency never used me again, but it was for the best. It was oh,
0: horrible. Well and also that they paid us so little. It's $8 like dollars your hour. You're working at a celebrity Poker event where no one yeah. makes less than five million dollars. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. I hope Dennis Leary, if you're listening, that you eventually found your way to that event. I'm sorry, I missed your invite. You seem lovely. It's all the only email address I had.
0: I think you'll tell him, and he'll write you a thank you to Tell you thank you in person for not having to go. And I had never heard the word schwarze used before in oh real God. life. And she would use that to describe life it. it was like hor- I was yeah. embarrassed to be Jewish. It was horrifying. Yeah,
1: she was she was out of her mind. But yeah, we were not the employees of the month.
0: We're not the employee of the month there, but you are the employee of the month here. But I do want to talk about two other. We're going to, we're going to talk about your your writing career and and storytelling and comedy. Um, yeah. But I I also wanted to ask you about another way you've made a living, which is hand modeling. Oh, just once. I just hand modeled once. I'm on an album
1: cover for like a, a, a some like closed Broadway musical uh, album cover. That's it. Yeah, my hands are not as beautiful. Anymore. I was like twenty when I. Did I
0: love it. that you act like you're like seventy five. Now yeah. you're like five years ago. It was. It was no. It was in my
1: like early twenties, and it's like my hand is in that beautiful kind of prices right tapping pose, you know, on it.
0: Yeah. Is there a pose that you do for it? Yeah, it's my hand, and I'm
1: dipping into a thing of popcorn, and it's like this, and it's on this album cover, and it was. I think it was on the program, and
0: it was on the yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. And um, big, big break for me. Another way that you made, <laughs> even though you didn't go on to have a major career in hand <laughs> modeling, um, another way that you have made money yeah. is by winning game shows. Two.
1: Few game shows. You know what? Honestly, I said to my husband yesterday. Is that go, supposed to
0: be like modest? Because
1: that's pretty impressive. I've only been on two. I have auditioned for Millionaire and not passed the test. Who wants to be a millionaire? Sorry, Millionaire is what we call it in the biz. Who wants to be a millionaire? And I didn't pass the test. I did not pass the test for Jeopardy either. I've been on Let's Make a Deal in Prices Right, which are like the shows for dumb people that you just get picked out of the audience, not the ones that like you actually have to <laughs> pass a test to get on. But I was talking to my husband uh, today and I was like, we should audition for Wheel of Fortune. You know, I mean why not? Why not?
0: I loved the advice you gave that you have to be like crazy enough that you're enthusiastic yes. but not so crazy that they think you're insane.
1: Yeah, no no, you can't be over the top enthusiastic and a lot of people do that. And then they will not get picked. Or a lot of people are too de- they they're too t- timid and they don't get picked. You have to you have to walk a fine line. There's a certain personality I have. When trying to get on a game show. And What's more- your
0: personality when you're trying to get on? I'm
1: a regular person. I'm here having a good time. I'm from New York City. I'm here to win big. And I'm a teacher.
0: <laughs> it is true you teach storytelling yeah but that's what I just saying. I kind of make
1: it sound like I'm like a, a regular, elementary school yeah teacher. kind I, mean, I don't say it I think I use the phrase arts educator arts educator is great yeah I mean really I'm like a comedy teacher I used to be but I say arts educator you know let them think I'm a middle school art teacher it's fine I mean it, that's how you win
0: now in reading Gawky, which again I'm going to recommend that everyone run don't walk to go get, um, which is which is Margot's latest and first book. Which latest is a, and first, I like that. <laughs> which is a, a memoir, and it's critically acclaimed for a reason. It really is a, a fun read. Um, it was clear that you were a performer from day one. Yeah, the opening
1: chapter of the book is that I steal uh, wake me up before you go, go and change the lyrics and claim it as my own and perform it in the talent show. Yes. Do you opening- think Noah
0: Bombach knew that about you and then used that? same type of scenario. Did he do it? No, he had one. I mean, it's a fabulous, in Squid and the Whale. Oh, yeah. What song does he play? Oh, Hey You, uh, Yeah, the the Pink Floyd song? I think it's that. I think it's that. I don't remember the song. I just remember that he completely pretended it was his own. And Yes, that's,
1: I actually, what I did was I changed the lyrics to Wake Me Up Before You Go Go to different lyrics, but used use the exact uh, rhythm and melody and performed it. And then I also copyrighted it with the U.S. government as my own. Um, so I like took it a step above Noah's Noah's way, yeah.
0: No, I loved I loved the moral reasoning. <laughs> there was genuine uh, moral reasoning behind it. Yeah,
1: I was like, <laughs> it this, just was off. This is really good. I thought I was a genius, and I was like, someone's going to steal my idea. Really, I had stolen the idea, but I <laughs> thought that someone would steal my stolen idea. So I copyrighted. My mother somehow knew how to copyright things with the government, like, really easily, and she helped me do it. But that was my, that's the opening chapter, yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of into performing right away. Yeah. But nobody cares, is kind of the through line in the book, is that I keep doing all of these things, and nobody's paying attention.
0: I love that, though, because there wasn't necessarily validation there, but there was this internal uh, lust for performing. Yeah, but no one ever thinks
1: I'm talented in this book. Like, no one's ever, like, until the very, very, very last chapter or two when I start dancing at the end. But in the beginning, it's like, nobody thinks I have got what it takes for anything and I think that's really a sign of at times is that that, you know, we grew up in an era where we weren't special oh and absolutely. we weren't the best. And so nobody told us we were <laughs> so we kinda of keep doing things and it's just like the tree keeps falling in the woods and nobody's
0: hearing it. I mean I could relate so much. I won I think like four writing contests yeah. at three different schools my parents had no idea and even now (laughs) if I bring it up they'd be like did you win a riding contest I didn't know about that yeah (laughs) I know I
1: always think about this when I took my driver's test and um and I pulled you know I guess my dad was watching me do it and then when I pulled up my dad was standing like in the field next to where we took it and he had picked me a bouquet of wildflowers and I was like oh I guess this is like my congratulations bouquet and he walked up to me and he handed me the flowers and he went sorry Margot, next time and I was like no dad I passed like I actually passed the driver like the assumption is we know you did as poorly as possible and it was like you watched me why are you assuming like it just, just like oh. so like the assumption of failure I think is a different thing than kids today are faced with which is the assumption of grandeur you know
0: it also I've always admired you because of having such s- similar uh parents in that <laughs> in that respect that um you were always confident uh, Since I've known you, you always <laughs> seemed confident. You always think, appeared
1: confident, and I, I think I, that I wear that. a lot of bright colors, and that maybe. But I don't know. I don't know how confident <laughs> I really am. But thank you. You know, actually, this is something I've been saying a lot lately: is that I think that had I had the confidence to know that I was good enough as a writer, I think I would have been selling. Books and movies and things a long time ago. Yeah, but I don't think that I legitimately knew that I was good enough until very recently. Isn't that weird?
0: What clicked for you? And I just want to give um, listeners some background. I mean, you've appeared on television numerous, you know, clip yeah. shows to to um, doing stand up comedy all over the country, yeah. and also doing storytelling and winning these Moth slams and um, the Moth Grand Champions um, ships and uh, you know, you're you're a real well-known performer. Live performer, yeah. What changed that you were able to feel more comfortable all of a sudden and realize your gift as a writer? I don't know. Um, I think it was, to be honest with you,
1: uh, I mean, this may not sound artsy, but monetizing it. I think when people started paying me to write.
0: yeah. I think that's when it snapped. It clicked for me that I was good enough. What was the first thing that you got paid to write? Was it the Hallmark movies? And I want to hear about that.
1: No. I mean, I was paid to write a few uh, articles before that, you know, uh, magazine articles and things. Like uh, maybe around 2006, I probably sold a a magazine article for... uh, that, that was paid pretty well at the
0: time. It was kind of before the crash. I know. It's so depressing now, isn't it? I used yeah. to make my living as a freelance writer. Yeah. And
1: I think it was that. I think that I I was in a writing class and I was like, forget, you know, I'm going to try this. So let's see what happens. And I pitched something and I sold it and then it was printed in a magazine and I was paid well to do it. And I think that's, that was maybe the first thing. And then I sold a few other articles after that. And then, um... But and so, I knew I was good at personal essay writing and personal stories, and then I guess it really, really clicked for me because when I sold the book, I also i a month later I sold a, a made for TV movie, and like this is for Hallmark, the, yeah, for Hallmark, and then the same day that I sold that movie, I was signed with new representation. It was literally like within three weeks, nothing was going on in my life, and then I sold a book, I sold a movie, and I signed with a new company, and it was like, oh, and I was three months pregnant and i was like oh i got pregnant because i thought nothing was going to be going on (laughs) (laughs) and then i was pregnant and i was like shit is happening and then i had like no time to rest the entire pregnancy or after um was that helpful in some ways because you don't have to think about it you have to just keep moving yeah somebody asked me they're like what motivates you to like finish a book and i was like well if you get the other half of your advance when you turn it in you'll finish that book <laughs> and if there's a baby coming out of you and you like need to get it done you'll get it done i mean my book was due 14 days before my baby was due and my screenplay was due five days before my baby was due so i had i was writing a book and a screenplay for money that we both i was accountable like not for fun like these were jobs and they were due october 1st october 8th and then my son was due october 14th but my son was late thank god so I had he was f- late but the book was on time the book was on time the son was late and that was but as late as he was I knew I was going to get the book returned back to me with edits to re, to to edit the book yes. and the, and I knew that the edits were going to be due by Thanksgiving so it was like the later he was I had less and less time to do the edits so I basically had a baby and then went right back to it yeah so now it's like things are winding down and I feel like I'm on maternity leave now when he's nine months old because I can finally breathe which is almost for the best because he's more fun now
0: Is it fun now because he can really
1: interact? Yeah. So it's kind of, I mean, I actually have time to spend and bonding with my son now, which which I didn't really have in the beginning. And I guess that's essential
0: time. But he seems to know me and like me, so we're okay. (laughs) I feel like that's the upside, too, of our profession that we sort of never talk about, which is that when you have off time, you really do have off time, which allows you to be with your family
1: yeah and I think a lot of us don't even have time to have a family <laughs> yeah so or so it's kind of nice that I I mean I feel I had so much guilt when I when I had hmm. him because I was it was a, as I just described my schedule like it was an insane time for me and um and I also was like I was just in the weeds when I had him and then and it took until honestly about a week and a half ago for things to calm down and I feel really calm now I mean my voice. is like in a lower registry. Than it was a few it sounds ago. very sultry though. Yeah. Like oh, it. thank
0: you. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe the, the uh, publicist, Ms. Miegel, can <laughs> <laughs> hire us to send out audio. So funny. I completely <laughs> forgot that. I also remember I did an open mic show of yours and, um, I was, I was, uh, about to get fired and instead don't get fired. You said quit. Why? I was at Miramax. Why did I say quit? Then you don't get unemployment. I know, but I still think you were right because then I had a little more dignity than I had had after that temp job. Uh, <laughs> yes, but you would you correct. have gotten unemployment if you had gotten fired? I think so because I hadn't oh, I technically done something yeah. wrong enough. No, 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 you didn't. I felt a little more dignified by quitting.
1: Oh, that's good. <laughs> dignity is, you know, not an overrated thing. It really is a good thing to have. Unemployment, Dignity. Dignity.
0: I agree. <laughs> I'll take unemployment. <laughs> having had both, I... and I, I, You know, having been dumped by guys I didn't really like, it's the same yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it would have felt like, I, when you're like, mm, I wish I had dumped him. It's more like, because you wanted that pride and dignity there. It's the same thing with the job kind of thing. Of Yeah. These are jobs that we take to get by so that we can do our art. Yeah. So there's already... Um, a sense of anger there of like, actually I'm so much more competent than you realize anyway. Yeah. (laughs) The dump, getting dumped by someone that you didn't want to be with is horrible. That happened to me.
1: He dumped me and I was like, okay. Like I remember walking to the dumping, like being like, all right, like I know he's going to dump me tonight. And I was like dressed up for dinner, even though I knew he was going to get dumped. And it was his birthday dinner and I had this, these presents for him. And then he like dumped me and I was like, well, might as well take these gifts, like I don't want them in my house. And it was just such a I felt like it was a good fuck you, like yeah. I'm still gonna give this to you because I, I like what am I gonna do with it? And I remember he said to me, He goes, Well, I still they always say I want to be friends and I was like, No, it's okay, I don't I don't wanna be friends. I
0: love that you did that. I didn't. I didn't want to be friends. I'd and he goes it, yeah.
1: And he goes, uh, well if I see you on the street, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna run in the opposite direction and I remembered saying, <gasps> I will <laughs> <laughs> and then I saw him like four years later and he was on a bike and I was like he will catch me if I run like he's on a bike and I'm on foot I can't run because he's gonna catch up to me so I couldn't run
0: so wait, knowing you and like <laughs> and I mean as soon as you started doing storytelling I was like of course <laughs> but I have felt that way in various stages of your career you did a, a two-woman show oh yeah that was fun which was so fun with Yeah, with but the Julia diner mattresses. Oh my gosh. I love that show. Slow and, night, yeah. Okay, so then when I saw that, I was like, Of course. So like, <laughs> what do you do when you have these different talents? But these routes are all different. You know what I mean? Like storytelling yeah. is a very different world than stand-up. It's a very mm-hmm. different world than yeah. sketch comedy. Not that different, but some di- somewhat different. Yeah, but different. it's all
1: comedy to me. I mean, storytelling to some people isn't comedy. They don't do it in a comedic way. But, I mean, it's all based in comedy. I mean, I make my living in comedy aside from these movies that I write.
0: And hand modeling.
1: And hand, one hand <laughs> modeling job. But, you know, I'll take it. Uh it's all comedy. It's all different, various forms. I think people like take improv or they do stand up or they do sketch and then they find, and then, then they land in whatever sketch and they go, oh, okay, this is the type that I want to do. You yes. know, or, or they end up doing characters and they go, this is what I want to do. But, or they do musical comedy and that's what they want to do. So it's all still comedy. You just have to figure out which one works the best. To me, it was like audience reactions, you know, I had done. And also again, like I look at things kind of monetarily and I know that's maybe sound Uh, no
0: it's how I it's how I chose to become a writer and talk show host and do voiceovers I was like these are the things I get paid to do
1: right and I think kind of the universe tells you what you're supposed to be doing so for me it was like I had done stand-up at the time for six years and I felt like in my eyes, and people may see it differently, I felt like I was spinning wheels and, and I wasn't moving forward. I wasn't... Yes, I was doing talking heads clip shows that I had been able to do from doing stand-up. But it was not like I was doing stand-up appearances on talk shows and, and things like that. And I wasn't really getting any of those TV breaks as a stand-up. I was getting TV breaks as a TV personality. Yeah. And so... But... When I started telling stories on stage, I was winning awards immediately. I was, like, getting amazing press immediately. I found a literary agent very quickly. I I won contests. I mean, I started teaching. I, I started touring. Like, it was—I blinked, and it was moving forward.
0: And it's also interesting that it was on both sides. Like, when I started stand-up, I won all these contests. Hmm. And very quickly—and I got flown out to L.A. And wow. I got managed— And very quickly, I found ways to (laughs) self-sabotage. Like, I just, you know, I found ways to, like, pull myself out. So I was like, okay, I'm going to get rid of, like, the biggest agency and the manager and all that. Like, I would just do things to, like, destroy any possibility. And I think it was my way of saying, like, this is not right for me. No, you're right. And so I did get the accolades there, but I was like, no. Whereas I would say with um, storytelling in my talk show, well, I guess, yeah, with both. I didn't get the monetary awards right away with storytelling in my talk show, whereas I did get paid pretty quickly for stand-up. I got such enormous satisfaction, and and I think that feedback that was so and nice response, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it was like, I guess you have to have both there. And yeah, like you you felt that with the storytelling. Because I felt like
1: I was moving forward immediately with it, and I wasn't spinning wheels. And I, you know, I mean, I had to go to therapy to break up with stand up, and I mean it. It was like a breakup. I felt
0: the same way. It's, it's and it mm-hmm. still remains like this sad issue because I'm like, I, I wish I was on stage. I love yeah. Performing. But but, you are still on stage.
1: It's just in a different capacity. And so for me, it was I like to finish what I've started. And so I felt like, I mean, the classic example is like my son was born October 23rd. So, like a month later, I have a four week old son, and it's Thanksgiving and I'm going to Thanksgiving, and I try to make this cake to bring to Thanksgiving, and it was like a really complicated recipe from Bon Appetit magazine, where everything's very complicated in there. And my son (laughs) is like crying every two seconds, and I'm exhausted, and I have a newborn, and and Dan was like, my husband was like, just stop making the cake. It's okay. Like, we don't have to bring them a cake. Nobody has us to bring us a cake. They're just happy we're coming. We don't even have to go. We have a four-week-old baby. And I was like, I must finish this cake. And then I finished the cake, and it was fabulous. And like everybody was <laughs> raving about it. And I took so, and I honestly like at the suffering of of my own well-being, my, my son was probably not happy. Like nobody was happy, but I finished the damn cake. So I feel like I have to finish something. I I start even if it's. I, I don't like quitting things. Yes. Even if it's for the best to quit sometimes. So for me, it was like I had started this and I had invested six years longer than college. It's in, in this, immersing yes. myself in it in stand up. And I wanted to leave and I felt like I wasn't really finished. But I, I did not agree like more. It.
0: I felt like a quitter and I'd quit my doctorate. So it was like the second whammy. Oh yeah. Um, but I love storytelling because you can have depth. You can you can yeah. talk about dark things and talk about the funny elements of them, and that was yeah. much more honest. What's it like doing these these moth shows? I do every storytelling show, but, yeah. but <laughs> the moths sometimes because they're so packed now. It's a little bit less packed in L.A. Not okay. a
1: little bit, a lot less packed in L.A. There may be a lot of names in there, but to get in the door to even see the show, it's a lot easier here. So I've actually had an easier time. I go to the Moth a little bit more here. I, I don't get picked very much at all. I didn't get picked for a year. I just won, um, like, two or three weeks ago. Yeah. And that is literally the first time I have been chosen in a year.
0: How good does that feel, though, like you get chosen and you win?
1: Well, it's sort of like, you know really, Joel, I'm sure that I could be a movie star if I could get out like I was like, if only I could get picked, I could win this. But like I I just I mean, but honestly, it was enraging me because I was going and I was putting my name in and I was spending a lot of time in the story and I was paying for a babysitter and then I would just not get picked and I would be like this is an eighty five (laughs) dollar night like be so annoyed. I don't need to win, I just wanna tell the story, you know? Sometimes and I only go if I have a really an appropriate good story that I want to tell on the theme. I don't just go. When you go. say appropriate... Oh, okay. That's based
0: around the theme that they yeah.
1: have that night for the moth
0: storytelling.
1: Yeah. So I don't just go to because I want to get picked every time. I'll go when there's a theme
0: that I have a great story to tell about it. Now, when you were working out your stories for the book, mm-hmm. would you tell the story in one way at one storytelling and then tell it in another way at another storytelling and then write it based on your... Uh, yeah. You know? I mean, when I first got the book deal, I was like, great. I'm just going to
1: print out the... Like scripts I have for my stories and staple it together and and
0: then that's the book done. Yes. I like this idea.
1: And it was like twenty pages, you know, because like, <laughs> my stories are five minutes for this, those. Yes, things. they have to be.
0: Yeah. And so I noticed one of your your moth win was you know six twenty eight, and I, I thought, my
1: gosh, they let me. Well, you have five minutes with a six minute, a one minute cushion, and there was an intro there, so maybe I was about ten seconds over twenty eight. I mean, <laughs> twenty eight, Margaret, but it was worth it. But it was uh, a good story. For real, like, I, I just, it was a complete, I mean, I had to take classes. I mean, and I think that taking classes is really important. As someone that teaches classes, I think taking classes is a vital thing. So I had to take classes and understanding. I took a bunch of personal essay classes, and then I ended up taking a memoir class and then working privately in a memoir writing group and then figuring out. It was a totally different skill set. I had no idea how to write a book. I knew That's how to write a story. I not how to write a book. And now, you know, and now I've written a book, and I'm realizing there's still so many other forms of writing I still don't know about, and I'm going to be taking more classes, you know?
0: With script writing, Mm -hmm. uh, did you take classes for that as well? No, and
1: I kind of feel like I was very lucky that... I started at a very basic level in script writing of writing a made... Rather than trying to write a big blockbuster, just trying to write a simple romantic made-for-TV movie. And so, in a way, I was paid to learn how to write a script. Which is fabulous. Yeah. But now, actually, I believe that... I mean, I just was looking online today. I think I'm going to take a screenwriting class.
0: How do you know? Because I have to say, again, coming from academia, um, I have been floored by how... Bad, some of the teachers I've had. Oh, really? And then I've had these incredible uh, diamonds in the rough Yeah. who are wonderful, you know. But I, I think I'm both frustrated at my inability to necessarily know, is this person going to be good or not? Um, yeah. It's hard. You know, you sign up. You say, okay, it's NYU. They should be good. Or it's the new school or it's UCB or wherever it is. And they may or may not be. But... Whether they are or they aren't
1: good, it's going to make you write whatever the assignment is by the next week. Totally. Totally. And
0: these are practical skills. So it's having expectations of that's right, that this is a space to learn how to write, to practice writing. I think it's a space to
1: force you to write. Yes. That's how I
0: feel. I feel like— It's like a trainer, a personal trainer.
1: Right. Right. Exactly. Like, you're accountable. And so that's all I need. Like, right now, I've finished this book. I've just turned in our uh, second movie to Hallmark— I'm pitching the pilot of the book. The pilot's written, so like I've just kind of finished a bunch of writing things. So I am like, okay, I would like to write something new right now, but I need to be because all of these other things, I was accountable to someone, or or there was a check coming or whatever. It's very uninspiring to just. I'm very uninspired right now to just write. So I yes. need to be. I have some deadline. Whether that's an official deadline to, you know, a publisher. I or couldn't a, agree more. So I just, I'm, yeah. I'm probably going to enroll in this class that starts on Sunday. What's just that so class? It's just a screenwriting class to be accountable to somebody. It's so I can bills. keep writing, but I will be accountable. So even though, yes, I've written two movies and th- there, it's a different genre. I'm made for TV, you know, romantic comedies is a different genre,
0: genre then. It's a good place to start for me, but I it, don't think it's where I want to end. It makes me respect you so much more as a teacher because I think that yeah. people who are real intellectuals are lifelong learners. Yeah, you know, I always think of my mom as an intellectual, and she's like, "No, I'm an aspiring intellectual." And so I, I love that you're you're continuing to learn as you teach and as oh, you, absolutely. I you know,
1: mean, my mother is in her sixties. She takes art class every week, and she's full of life. And I I've been very inspired by a lot of my students that are all ages. Um, I had this woman who, you know, she said, "Oh, things are slow. I've just quit my job, so I'm just taking a bunch of classes right now." And I'm like, "You know what?" That's great. You should you should do that. And I had this student, um, uh, John Ward. I don't know if you ever knew him. He was actually played the the old man, uh, customer in my two women show at UCB. Okay. And he people knew him as Doctor Wimpy, and he um, was my stu- student also. And um, and he passed away um, one day. I went into work. And the somebody from the office came out and was like, "We just got a call that your student passed away on his way here on the train." And oh it was God. really upsetting. It was a really big part of the UCB community. It was very, very, very sad. And um, we were all very, very jarred by it. And he was just someone that really inspired me because he was—he started taking improv classes at UCB in his sixties, and he had spent a life. You know, he was—he had—he was a—he had, he had a PhD and he worked in science and he had. This whole other life. And then in his 60s, and he was a widower. And then in his 60s, decided to just try doing this. And he ended up in everybody's movie. I put him in my show. He did all of these things with Improv Everywhere. He, He found this whole second life in his 60s. And... And it was honestly for him, it was just for fun. But it's just kind of like you're never too, too old to start learning. I think about him all the time when I go, oh, should I really try this? Or can I learn about this? I mean, I think about him and I just was so inspired by him. So I think in teaching, I get inspired a lot by the people that I meet. And, and, and he was someone that truly inspired me to keep learning. And he was just so, when he died, he died in his 60s, very young, but he was full of life. You know? Yes. And that's really a cool way to go.
0: Yeah. Um, I have no follow-up questions after that because I feel so so touched <laughs> hearing about him that nothing I could possibly say um, could reach that level of, yeah. of depth. And it is so inspiring. I love when people continue yeah. to reinvent themselves and live every day as if it's their last. Yeah. I really want to encourage people to go out and get gawky. Uh, Well, I mean, you don't have to become gawky. You don't have to become gawky. (laughs) You can just read the book.
1: It's rough. Um, Don't get gawky unless you—I mean, don't be gawky unless you
0: have to. I have one other—last question, actually. Your husband is also a writer, Dan Mm -hmm. Curry, who's also been an Employee of the Month. Do you feel—I just want to know, like, is it nice having someone who does the same thing? Sometimes you guys collaborate. We've all—yeah, we've collaborated on—we've sold two scripts together, so it's kind of cool. Yeah, I think it's
1: good. In the end, I think it's really good. i got to be honest, I think he's a little bit of a better writer than me. I'll never say it to him, but I'll say it don't to you. Don't <laughs> say it to him. He doesn't need to I hope this. he would say the same <laughs> about me, but I don't think he would. Uh, <laughs> he's good. He's good. He keeps me in line. I'm okay with it. Yeah. I think, I. I don't know, writers are sexier than, like, I don't know, I'd rather be, not to be mean, but, like, imagine being married to, like, a commercial actor who's, like, really, like, loves selling toothpaste. I don't know. Not to be mean, I'm friends with a lot of commercial actors, but I like that his passion is pretty intellectual. Yeah, I think it's hot.
0: Yeah, I'm okay with and that. And I, I love it because, you know, I, people will always warn me about dating another artist. They'll say, oh, no, you know, you need someone with health insurance. Yeah, that's... I, please, you do. Katie, marry someone with health insurance. <laughs> I just went through such health to get health insurance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's the flip side is it's hard to find someone who's also... Um, artistically inclined in some capacity who has health insurance. Well, hopefully they'll eventually make enough that one of the
1: unions will we'll pay provide the health insurance. But gosh, well, don't worry. Well,
0: Obamacare's coming in January. But my father called me to tell me. Yeah. And that's what he works on his healthcare policy. Good. <laughs> He's like, in October I'd like you to look into this program. Start up
1: guys, America, you can start applying
0: in October and then you'll get it in January. But so do 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 financial concerns and things like that come up or not? Because you guys are both pretty successful, so it's not as much an issue. Yeah. I mean, sure, especially since we have a child.
1: Yeah. But at the same time, um we we were less financially secure when we were working day jobs than we are now.
0: It's not interesting.
1: We were less financially secure when we lived in New York. New York, yeah, because it was so hard to get by. Um, we can you can get you can live really well here and not much, and so that in Los Angeles,
0: yeah, in Los Angeles. So, all right, well, so now we've had a plug for the city. So hopefully, uh, the the mayor or someone will somehow either give us some type of. I don't know if we get a ribbon (laughs) cut or something in our honor or a bench or a tax break. That's that's really the way to aim. I'm so excited. Margot Lightman, thank you so much for being an employee of the month. Thank you. And again, please do check out Gawky and you can go to her website as well to find out where she's um, performing because you can see her very, very, very often live on stage. Thank you so much, Margot. Thank you. That concludes this episode of the Employee of the Month Show. Thank you to all of you for listening. Thank you to Ryan Fountain, Ian Mazoff, the WGA, UCB, Six Point Harness. Please do donate at employeeofthemonthshow.com and check out how to subscribe to the podcast. Enjoy.